Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hashtag I date money. Interviewed in someone's group today sharing I date money. Hashtag I date money. And it was so much fun and everything just flowed freely because I have the results. Working with money for a very long time in the insurance business, in the financial world, being a treasurer, stepping up and really getting to know the intricacy of money was something that just was integrated in me from when I was a little kid. Growing up with all these conditioning statements and always wondering and questioning. My favorite question was why, 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 why? I drove my mom nuts asking questions, but she used to say things to me that just didn't make any sense. And I wanted, I demanded further explanation. As I got older and I started thinking about money, I would go to these financial seminars and learning to be a financial coach. For Boy Scouts, I stepped into being a merit badge counselor, and one of the badges I helped the boys with was personal management, personal finances, and instilling in them the importance of really getting to know your money, creating this portfolio, this financial portfolio. You know, school teaches us about resumes, and we always are focused on the budget. I don't like the word budget. (laughs) Budget. Budget is a bad word for me because it reminds me of restrictions. Back in my 20s, I worked as a paralegal and one of my jobs was to work with people who had filed bankruptcies. And my job was to create budgets for them after they filed for their bankruptcy so that they wouldn't end up in that way. And I remember just scratching my head going, why are these families filing for bankruptcy? Like, how do they manage to get into that much debt? You know, but so many people don't have an emergency savings fund. So when an emergency happens, they borrow the money. And one of my conditioning statements growing up was you have to borrow from Peter to pay Paul. So processing these things, creating these budgets for these families and going over them and saying, okay, here's your income, here's your expenses, stay within the budget. Don't go over the budget. Don't borrow from one category to cover another category thinking you can play catch up later because that's what we're always doing. The concept of borrowing, you're always playing catch up. And I know a lot of business entrepreneurs are using credit to survive. Your basic needs, rent, food, transportation, that should be paid with cash, with your income. So what are you doing with your income? What what are you doing with the money that's coming in? If you're like some people, you are taking the money that you're coming in and you're going out to dinner, you might be paying a few bills and you really don't know what happened to it. During the pandemic, so many people were laid off, right? 
and got unemployment and they got that kickback of $600 a week on top of their regular unemployment. The average person who was making like two grand a month all of a sudden had, no, excuse me, had so much more, right? They were grossing two grand a month, but now they're net in their hands. They had all this money. They didn't know what to do with it because it doesn't matter. If someone doesn't know what to do with the $1,000, they're not going to know what to do with $10,000 because it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And when you apply the same percentages to whatever dollar amount you're receiving, you're always going to create limitless abundance. You're always going to have money to give, money to save, money to splurge, and money to meet your four walls and any extras that you might want. And budgets, people, you know, if you think about tunnel vision, people will focus on one thing, right? And focusing on the budget, oh, that's not in the budget. I can't do that. I know families who will take their expenses for the entire year. So we're in the month of December. If you're watching us in the future, this is December of December of 2022. And they'll look at their expenses, their income, especially if they're self-employed, they'll project what they're going to earn for the following year. And then they'll plan it out and they'll say, okay, we're going to go on one vacation. We're going to spend, you know, a thousand dollars on clothes for a family of four. Our grocery budget is going to be a thousand dollars a month. We're going to do this, this, and this. And they'll create that zero budget because all budgets should come to zero, right? (laughs) You have income, every dollar should be accounted for. You create your budget, you should have a zero budget. And, And so many people don't understand this concept about budgeting. Maybe that's why we think budgets are bad because they're restrictive, but it's not really restrictive. When I was a treasurer for my union, everyone thought the budget was just there as a guide. Like we created the budget because we had to, because it was mandatory by the, the government. <laughs> no, that's not, <laughs> I'm sorry. Thinking about the presentations I had to do when we had our um, meetings with the, with the reps, I would laugh. I'm like, no, that's not what the budget is. And, you know, we'd ask people to review the budget and allocating certain funds, you know, like we would allocate certain funds for travel. You know, we, every year we went to Washington um, to lobby and there'd be, you know, so much money to do that. And we would save money by people driving versus flying this and that. Right. But they didn't get that the bottom line should be zero. They thought that there should be money left over. I'm like, no, when you're budgeting money, you're allocating your income to do a specific thing. You're giving it a job, okay? Just like Dave Ramsey says, every dollar has a job. And when I think of these budgets and I think of all the people that I created these budgets for and all the people who didn't implement them, because they felt restrictive. I was one of them. I did not like the word budget. After I filed bankruptcy at, at you know, 22, 23, I realized that budgets were so restrictive. So I set up pods. I call them pods. And I had five bank accounts. I still do have five bank accounts, one for my bills, one for my giving, one for my savings, one for my spending money. And one for um, household bills. So I had my non-household bills. So like co-pays for medical, insurance, 
um, things like that. Right. And then I had my household bills, my, my four walls were, um, you know, housing, transportation, clothing, and food. So my household bill account included the, you know, cable, the gas and electric bill, the water bill, the mortgage, the taxes, right? And I, that's how it works for me. And after I filed for bankruptcy, I knew I never wanted to be put in that position again. I mean, being in your 20s with $32,000 of debt, a single mom, it was like embarrassing. It's like, how do I create budgets for people who file for bankruptcy, questioning like, how'd you get here? And here I am there, right? And it sucked. I hated that feeling. I felt so so ashamed of not being able to create a budget and stick to it. So when I realized that this word budget to me meant restriction, meant bad, it felt like somebody was controlling me and I did not want to be controlled. I wanted to be in control. So just by flipping the word and calling it a pod and auto drawing it from my paycheck once we started direct deposit, because that wasn't always a thing, I was able to put away money. But I had this attitude, all my money, you know, I had money going into savings, money going into investments. And I had money going into my pods for my bills and everything was accounted for. And then I'd get my paycheck and the net amount would show at the top of my paycheck. And every week, I would, every time I got paid, I would look at it and say, $239, what am I going to do with that? And in my mind, it didn't connect because I wasn't creating a portfolio. I wasn't keeping track of this. I was allowing these systems to just automatically do it for me. So in my mind, I didn't have enough money and I was worried. Is there going to be enough? And I would cop an attitude and I would get into arguments with my husband about, I'm putting all my money away into savings and bills and there's nothing left for me and I'm not enjoying money. He's like, what are you talking about? You have $100 a week to blow. And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have $100. That money. And I always had a place for that money. And it was never for me to enjoy it. It was always there in case something happened. Because the emergency fund was for emergencies. But what if it was a non-emergency? Like define an emergency, right? So because I kept thinking and believing that this budget was so restrictive, it was. And I wasn't enjoying the hard-earned money. So I was like, in my mind, I had to work harder. I had to work longer. I worked as much overtime as I could. What difference did it make? If I had to be to work at eight hours, why not just stay another hour and a half every night? What's the big deal? And the money became useful. And like, and I was making six figures just at my full-time job. And then I always had a side gig as an independent eight run representative doing sales of some sort, like you're working as an administrative assistant or, you know, being building a team with an MLM or working as a treasurer, receiving a stipend. I always had multiple income streams coming in because I always felt that there wasn't enough. And when I would get that extra money, I would look at it and say, oh, I'm going to go out and buy this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that until one day I had a midlife crisis. And I crashed and burned and I realized I was addicted to 0% credit cards. And that addiction created $100,000 worth of debt that I was so ashamed of. I couldn't even turn to one of the many financial coaches that I knew because I was embarrassed. Like, how do I get myself into this position? Knowing that I didn't like budgets and knowing that pods were okay, realizing now 
that it's because I didn't pay attention. I didn't set up a portfolio and work with money every single week like I do now dating money. Money and I have been dating since September of 21. Every week we have a meeting and we go over our income, our portfolio, our expenses, our debt, and all of that. And we celebrate and we give thanks. You guys, the key strategy to living life is gratitude. Give thanks in all circumstances. Okay. It's, there's a reason why that's scripture. When we give thanks in all circumstances, we are focusing on the good. And if there's something that doesn't resonate with you, if there's a word that makes you feel all like, I hate that word, right? <laughs> Change the word. There's so many words that have the same meaning that you can use that are more in aligned with your core values. Money strategies works for me. Implementing my 10-10-10 strategy, I was able to combine things that I had learned over the years from Susie Orsman, Dave Ramsey, Crown Financials, um, Secrets of the Millionaire, all these different um, uh, books and lectures and videos. The Richest Man of Babylon, Babylon, (laughs) The Richest Man in Babylon was the first book I read back in 1992. It was recommended by a client in Social Security Administration. And if you haven't read this book, get it. It's an easy read, 60 pages, and the concept is golden. It's all about taking 10% of your money, investing it in yourself, giving 10%, and that's all that talks about. Splurging on 10%, that came in as part of fun money. And I introduced that concept in my life in August of 20 when I became a certified ULA coach. And we started talking about finances and then they they actually had a course called The Green Gap. And that was what I needed. I needed to realize giving myself permission to enjoy my hard-earned money. And I remember the first time I implemented the fund, the 10% fund money, my husband and I had gone to Kelly's Apple Farm and it was like $50. My husband's like, we're not spending $50 on all this stuff. I'm like, it's part of my fun money. It's okay. So now we call it Play-Doh. And it is a lot of fun because when you know that you have the money set aside specifically, so many will have like multiple checking accounts for like vacation, um, birthday presents, Christmas gifts. You know, like they'll have separate accounts because that works for them. That's amazing. And they always know that when it's time to make that purchase to invest in that, they have the money set aside. It's all about implementing a strategy that's aligned with your core values. Because sometimes the word budget is a bad word. Who wants to be restricted? doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, hey, hashtag I date money. Go out there and do all the things. It doesn't matter how much you make. It's what you do with it. Follow the show. Give a review. Give us some star ratings and share it with all the courageous business coaches you know who are ready to partner with money. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, 
it's what you do with it.